Hey there, I wanna welcome you to Meadows Church and Online Church. I am so excited about what God is going to do today. Before we even get started, I need to introduce you to somebody, a good friend of mine and a big part of Meadows Church. His name is Sam Reinen, and Sam actually oversees our youth. And youth for us, for us is sixth through 12th grade. And we meet on Wednesday nights, and uh, I just gotta introduce you to him because many of you maybe don't know him. So uh, Sam, would you come up here, please? Hey, man. Hey. Good to see you, dude. Good to see you, too. I, uh, Sam, like I said, he, he serves at our kids' ministry. He is the lead in our youth ministry. And uh, him and his wife, Jess, are just a big part of our church. And I just want Sam to cast a little vision about youth and then share some, some upcoming things with Meadows Church. So, Sam? Like Monty said, my name is Sam. And uh, I do get the privilege of serving the youth on Wednesday nights. Uh, unfortunately, we will not be meeting this next week, Wednesday. Uh, it's spring break, so we want to give the kids some time off to relax, recuperate, uh, take a break from Jesus, because we all need that, you know? Uh, no, but honestly, for me, serving the youth, I absolutely love to do it. I love pouring in the kids. I love uh, playing games and goofing around and telling jokes and just having fun, but getting down to the nitty-gritty of what it looks like to worship a king day in and day out, outside of Wednesdays, outside of Sundays, what does it look like to serve people in our community um, throughout the week? So love doing that. We also have a mission statement at Meadows Youth, and it is the same mission statement that's at Meadows Church. It's the same mission statement that's at Meadows Kids, and that is we exist to lead people to Christ in their God-given purpose. Say Purpose. Purpose. That's right, we all have a purpose, but before we can fulfill that purpose, we have to know Christ. And that's why it's such a huge deal that last week we had four people Come on. give their life Come to Christ. On. Someone praise them. at home right now. Yes, that's praise awesome. God, yes. Um, so that being said, uh, awesome. we have uh, an event coming up where we wanna reach people for Christ, and that is the Easter egg hunt extravaganza. Monty, Okay, it's the apocalypse right now. We got zombies running around. Yep, yep, it's uh, Is this an event that's still going on April 4th? This, as of right now, we are saying yes. I mean, we're taking this whole thing week by week like we've shared on our social media platforms, but uh, the Easter egg extravaganza is a big event, and it's a, it's a few weeks away yet on April 4th. So as of right now, we are planning on it. We are gonna go forward, but if that were to change, we would, we would let you know. This is a huge deal, guys. It's an amazing opportunity for you to reach out to people in the community, invite neighbors, invite friends, invite teammates in your sports teams, all of that stuff that you do as kids. Uh, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna have inflatables, we're gonna have Kona shaved ice, we're gonna have thousands of Easter eggs, and we're gonna have 10 grand prizes ranging all over the place from really cool gifts and all that stuff. So, uh, and the kids will get to choose whatever they want. Yeah, correct? they can pick yeah. the prize they want. And the, and the grand grand prize is a, a, a brand new Dodge Challenger. And that, I guess we already have a winner. I'm just kidding. There's no Dodge Challenger, but we wish. We're, right. we're praying about that yet. So, um, so anyway. Yeah, and the only way that we can make events like this happen is because we have tremendous givers in our church. Amen. And I want to thank you. Amen. Thank you from the bottom of uh, our hearts. We love you guys. Uh, Meadows Church wouldn't exist. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for giving. And now there's three ways that you can give. The first being online, which is what my wife and I do. Uh, and we believe it's the fastest way that we can buy our salvation. So 
That's, that's why we do that. Um, second is the vases, but obviously we're meeting online, so there will be uh, no vase to, don't be looking around your house for it. Uh, and then the third is you can text a number, which will be on the screen, uh, and then the amount, and then send that. And we thank you for, um, for your tithing, for your giving, because you can never outgive God. Amen. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for Monty and the message. God knows he needs it. So uh, let's, let's go to our, our Lord in, in, uh, in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day um, that we get to meet. Thank you for what you do and, and how big you are. And, and we believe that your spirit can work and move, even if we're not meeting in a church building, but you will still change our lives through screens, through audio, all of that stuff, God, because you are so big. We pray for this series that Monty is preaching of the four-letter words. It's, it's, uh, it's been amazing so far, and I believe that you're going to continue to do what you've done so far. Um, I just pray for our service. I pray for uh, the people in our community. I pray for our church, uh, that they'd be safe, that they'd be healthy, and they'd be smart, God. We praise you and we thank you in your holy name. Amen. Hey, again, I want to welcome you to Meadows Church and say again, welcome home. We are so excited that you're joining us online. Like, I am so excited to preach a word to you, to give you hope and encouragement. Listen, I know it is a crazy time, and I know that many of us uh, feel some stress and some anxiety for what's going on, but I'm here to tell you, God's got a word for you. God wants to do something supernatural in you, and I can't wait to see what he does today. So um, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're in a series called Four-Letter Words, and fear is definitely that, and ironically, we preached on fear like two weeks ago. So it was a, it was a message called Four in the Fire, and if you go to our website, the messages, you can find that message. I promise if you haven't seen it, watch it. It will bless you, especially during the time of what we're going through. So, but up to today, we're going to talk on another four-letter word that's actually very much tied to fear. And rather, just, rather than tell you what the word is, how about I share a quick story, a true story, a story that I heard that just happened this week. At least it came out in the news this week. This is nuts. Like, you can't make this stuff up. So... A, a gentleman uh, gets pulled over by the police. Now, that will give you fear. How many here? Be honest. I mean, I know that you're probably at home or you're gathered around with your friends and family, but raise your hand. You ever been pulled over by the cops? Yeah, that's right. If your hand's not up, you're lying. I know you have. I know you have. I got pulled over three times this week. It's not a big deal. But, uh, but this guy gets pulled over, and you know that feeling of fear when you see the lights go on? This guy gets pulled over, but it was only for expired plates. Like, his plates were expired. I know what you're thinking. What's the big deal? Like, his plates are expired, you know, whatever. The big deal was, is that when he got pulled over, the police officer told him that his plates expired in 1997. 1997! And this is the guy's response. I wrote it down. This just came out. Just read this on Tuesday. Uh, Sorry, officer. I've been busy. I totally forgot. But I'll take care of it when I get home. Oh, oh, you forgot. 23 years? You forgot. 23 years! 23 years. And by the way, I'm a little jealous. How does this guy get away with it year after year? If my plates were expired for 23 minutes, I would have the SWAT team coming down on me. 23 years. Are you kidding me? But the, 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 the comment that this guy made, I've been busy. I've been busy. Say busy. Busy. 
Busy is a four-letter word, and I think it cripples us a lot of times. And, and it's like sometimes we're almost proud of being busy. And, and well, let me ask you another question, and I'll ask you, participate, raise your hand. How many of you, when it's a normal, when it's a normal day, I'm not talking about a, a, a viral infection day or a, a crazy coronavirus day. I'm talking about a regular day on a regular week. How many of you feel like you're very busy? Like you don't have a lot of time just to hang out and relax. Yeah, yes. I, I can feel that same way too. Like it, it feels overwhelming. I wrote it down. You got pressures at work. You got chores at home. You got overdue projects. You've got grocery shopping to do, sanitizer to buy, toilet paper to get. I get it. You got all that repairs, maintenance, commitments, and that's all just Tuesday, right? It's difficult. It's hard. It's a stressor. And then if you got kids, oh man, if you got kids, you have the kids' activities. And don't you love it? Don't you love it when your kids come to you on a Thursday morning saying, gosh, I got a project that's due. Oh, when's it due? Oh, like noon today. Oh, okay, well, yeah, let's knock it out. Grab some Elmer's glue. What are you doing? Well, I got to build a time machine. Oh, yeah, all right, yeah, let's just, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, it's crazy. I, I'm convinced of this. I am convinced that the devil doesn't care if you're bad. He doesn't, as long as you're busy. See, if you're busy, he doesn't need you being bad because if you're busy, you're not being about the Father's business. And you might think, well, what do you mean? Busy isn't all bad. It really is. See, there's a difference, say difference. There's a difference between, between productive and busy. There's a difference between productive and busy. But in our culture, in our society, busy is what's normal, and busy is exhausted, and busy is stressed, and busy is, I've got so much to do, and I'm running myself ragged, and it's go, 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 go. Think about it. Think about when you see somebody that's not that way. You, you see somebody that's just calm. They're just chill. They're not stressed. They're not busy. They're just like, ah. I mean, we look at that person, we think, okay, that's weird. Actually, I look at that person, and I think, you just smoked some weed, didn't you? I mean, that, that's what I think. But yeah, and they probably did. So, but I, it's not normal for us to see somebody like that. It, but, but culture will tell you the more busy you are, the more productive you are. Lie. Say lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. That is not true. The more busy you are, the more productive you are. Repeat after me. Ready? Say this. Busy isn't better. It's not better. You just said the title of the message. Busy isn't better. It is not better. The world will tell you to say yes to all kinds of things. I am telling you, you're going to say yes to the things that matter most, and there's a difference. It's not about doing more. It is not about doing more. We think it is a lot of times. We have to do this. We have to try that. We have to go there. No, no, no. It is not about doing more. It is doing more of the things that matter most. That's the difference. That's productive. That's purpose. That's the most important thing. That is what we're called to do. Oh, by the way, even saying that, can I give you some encouragement for the time that we're in right now, this time of like uncertainty, if you will? What is the most important thing we can do during this time? What is it? The Jesus was asked that question. You know what he said? Here's the most important thing. I'll put it up on the screen. This is what he said, Matthew 22, 37 through 39. The king is speaking. You must love, say love. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, it's equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So whether it's a crazy coronavirus time or just another normal day, 
That's the greatest thing. That's productive. That's purpose. That's not busy. It's the opposite. Loving God and loving others. This is the key. So, so how did Jesus model this? Like, I just want to model what he did. I screw it up all the time, trust me, but I want to try. And I believe you do too. And I believe you do. And you do. I believe that you want to model it. So with that said, we look at Jesus' ministry. And I want to take you to a book in the Bible called Mark. Shortest gospel. Gospel, by the, by the way, means good news. If the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story of Jesus' life from four different angles, four different guys. I love it. Mark, he's the just most direct. He'd probably be like myself. He just kind of lays it on the line. And in Mark, if you go to your Bibles, you go to, go to chapter one, go to verse 29, and let me set this up for you. Jesus' ministry is beginning. He's just gotten, gotten baptized in the Jordan River, and he's collected a few disciples, a few fishermen to follow him. And now he's ready to go. The first place he goes, the synagogue. I, I, something so key about that. But what we're going to learn today is something key about church. Jesus goes to the synagogue and he preaches and he teaches. He doesn't just preach and teach, but he heals. He changes lives. He touches people. He makes people new. And this is what he's doing already. This is what he does. So this is where we pick up the story in Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Let me read to you. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon, this is Simon Peter, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, okay? So we know that Peter was married, right? His, this is his mother-in-law. So she, is, she lives with Peter and Andrew, and she's sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. Uh, pause. I wonder who told him. It doesn't say Peter went and said, hey, my mother-in-law's sick, Jesus, can you help her? This is what I just think. I think it was James and John. I think they went up to Jesus and said, hey, we know how much Andrew or Peter loves his mother-in-law. Jesus, you need to take care of her. You need to heal her. He wants to live with her for the rest of his life. You just, and Peter's like, shut up, shut up. I can just, this is just my translation right now. But, but her, the mother-in-law's sick with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, hmm. took her by the hand. He touched her. Say he touched her. He touched her. He touched her, and he helped her sit up. And the fever immediately left, and she prepared a meal for them. I love it. She's touched by Jesus. She's changed by Jesus. She immediately gets up and serves Jesus. Hmm. That's a whole other message, though, isn't it? That evening after sunset, Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch, and Jesus healed many people who were sick of all kinds of diseases. That's kind of prevalent, isn't it? He cast out demons, because, but because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. More on that later. Say loving people. So, so we talk about loving God, loving people. Here we see minutes into Jesus' ministry, he is at the synagogue preaching and teaching and touching and loving and healing. He's loving people. Let's continue to verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Okay, pause. Jesus, we could arguably, arguably say he was more productive than anybody that ever lived. His ministry was just three plus years maybe, and he accomplished more than we ever will. 
He wasn't busy, but he was productive. But yet Jesus in this moment would take time out of his day to go to some place to pray to, really, his father. It, 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 this is so important that we catch this. So he was loving people, and now he's loving, say loving, God. He's loving God. He's talking to his father. And as he's praying, it says in verse 36, Simon and others went out to find Jesus. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. I love it. You think Peter and the others might have been exaggerating? I love when people say that. Everyone is saying, everyone is doing. My kids will be like, Dad, everybody's got, you know, Apple, I, I, what are they called? Earbuds? Yeah, earbuds. Everybody's got earbuds? Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody's got them. And I'll be like, everybody, huh? Everybody. You know, when someone tells you that, when someone says, everybody's got this, everybody's got that, I'd say, give me some names. All right, who's everybody? That's what I say. I want to write them down. Well, there's Jenny. Okay, okay, well, let me write Jenny. That's one. Teacher. Okay, your teacher. Okay, it's two. What's her name? Got it, got it. All right, who else? Everybody. No, actually, that's not everybody. That's two. That's two. See, there's a difference. So anyway, that's a whole, just giving you some parenting advice. I mean, everybody, Peter and the others say, are looking for you, Jesus. They're trying to make a point. A lot of people are looking for Jesus. But Jesus replies, and check this out, we must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That's why I came. I'll repeat that again. That's why I came. See, Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a purpose. Jesus was productive. He just wasn't busy. He traveled throughout the region of Galilee, continuing to do what Jesus does, preaching in the synagogues, casting out demons, being Jesus. See, being busy is not the same as being productive. It is not the same as being productive. See, just because, just because you're in a constant state of motion doesn't mean you're making progress. Like, I'm always moving my legs. Like, when I sit, like, if I sit, hopefully you can see me, but when I sit, I'm always, like, doing this. Anybody? I don't know if you have the same disorder I have, but I'm constantly doing this. Now, my wife is different. Jody, what she does, she goes up and down. She's like this, constantly doing that. So I'm doing this. She's doing that. Our, our kids are screwed, really. When they're older, they'll be, like, having a seizure. I don't, I don't, I'm just saying, a constant state of motion it doesn't mean you're making progress. But Jesus, I think we can, it's fair to say Jesus made progress. Like Jesus, I wrote it down this way. Jesus made progress. He was productive, but he was never overwhelmed. Isn't that, isn't that something? He was never overwhelmed. Jesus, he didn't have a lot of time, three years, but yet he had time to do everything he was called to do and still spend time with the Father. Hmm. I came here to tell you something. I came here to encourage you and tell you, if you're feeling overburdened, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling stressed, that is a good, good indicator that you're doing some things you were never called to do, you were never purposed to do, you were never planned to do. And I'll also tell you, you're not alone. A lot of people are falling into this category, but this is why God wants to give you a word today. Say word. This word, I believe God wants to use it to change you. I want to give you two keys to living a productive life. Two keys, and they coincide with, guess what? Loving God and loving others. The greatest thing we could do. In chaos, it's the greatest thing we can do. In calm, it's the greatest thing we can do. Love God, love others. Two things, say two. Number one, spend time with God in prayer. Spend time with God in prayer. And you might say, well, gosh, that's real deep. I'm telling you, we talk about this stuff, but how many people do it? 
How many people will pause and actually stop and pray to God? Actually stop and talk to God. Spending time with God in prayer is so big. I, think, about, think about this for a second. No one had more of an agenda than Jesus, a, a larger agenda than Jesus. But he found ways to get along with the Father. In fact, there's like 17 different times, I think, that Jesus got, got away. He got alone, and he prayed to God. What is he telling us? But us, we're busy, right? We're so busy. We're so rushed. We're so frantic. We wake up in the morning, and we are doing 14 different things, and we're running here, and we're running there, doing this, doing that. Well, let's see. What do I got to do today? Okay, I got to fix my wife because she loves when I do that. I've got I've to straighten out my kids. I've got I've to find a cure for the coronavirus. I've got to, I've got to stop global warming. I've got to save the koalas. It's a big day, Jesus. Don't have time to talk. Got to go, right? That's where we're, I mean, we're just constantly moving and going and moving and going. But what if? What if instead of running around doing this and doing that, we would stop? What, what if instead of trying to fix him or save her, we stopped? We started our day with God, talking to him, talking to the one who's in the business of fixing, who's in the business of changing, who's in the business of saving. I came here to tell somebody, you want to live a productive life? Start your day with your God in prayer. It will change you. I promise you, he wants to do something in you. But if you took a few moments to talk to him, and if we understood the power of prayer, it will change you. It will change what's going on. It will change how you deal with things. Spend time with the king. He loves when you talk to him. He loves it. He loves it. He loves it. And I, I'll add this. As we rush around with our agenda and our day and our schedules and all these things that we have to do, know this. God will rarely reveal himself to somebody who's rushed. He rarely does you'll miss it. You will miss it. Think about the story that we read with Jesus, even in the synagogue and going to Peter's house. It wasn't, do you ever see them talking about how rushed Jesus is? Well, Jesus ran here. It wasn't like there was John over here saying, Jesus, get over here. Hurry up. We got somebody coughing and hacking. We think it could be something pretty bad. Hurry up, Jesus, run. And Jesus runs over there. And then John's over there. Jesus, hurry up, get over here. Man down. We got a man down, Jesus. You got to help him. You got to heal him. And Andrew's back there. And now he's like, Jesus, rush back here because we got a girl back here. We're pretty sure she's got a demon. Got a demon. There's a demon. And Jesus assesses the situation and says, you know what? It's not a demon. She's just a teenager, okay? There's a difference. So anyway, so teenagers can be tough but uh, we love you. Um, Jesus isn't running. Jesus isn't going in a, in a way that is so rushed and crazy. We never see him run, not once in scripture, that he runs anywhere, that he's rushing in such a chaotic way that he's running around crazy. <laughs> but yet he accomplishes so, so much. The king. So that's number one. Say one. Spend time with God in prayer. Number two, the second key to a productive life, help the people God puts in your path. Okay, really, Pastor? I mean, duh, duh. Let me say it again and make sure you catch it. Help the people God puts in your path. Let me explain. Jesus had opportunities to help a lot of people. 
Remember when he went to the synagogue? He was helping everybody in the synagogue, casting out demons, healing, touching, doing things that Jesus does. Then he leaves and he goes to Peter's house. Who's he help? Peter's mother-in-law. She's in his path. She's right there. He's in the same house. He helps her. He heals her. He gets her feeling better because she's in his path. Even Peter, don't miss this. Remember when Jesus was praying to the Father and Peter and the others went and interrupted him and said, oh, everybody, everybody's looking for you. Remember that? <laughs> so, so Peter and the others interrupt the most, most important conference call you could ever be on. It's like the Son of God talking to God the Father. And Peter and the others just abruptly, hey, we're looking for you. Everybody's wanting to. But I love Jesus' response. Don't miss this. Jesus doesn't get mad at Peter. Like Jesus doesn't say, oh my gosh, my schedule and you interrupt me. I'm talking to God right now. And then you come in here and you're all like everybody. Jesus doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't, get, he doesn't get mad at Peter and the others. He doesn't scold them or condemn them. Jesus actually loves and listens to them right where they're at. So Jesus has time. He's helping Peter who's in his path, helping the others who's in his path with such love and such compassion. This is so amazing. But then we get to the scripture that I need to pull apart for a second. Remember the second point, help the people God puts in your path. So remember what, what, what uh, Jesus said to Peter? This is what he said to him. Remember Peter said, everybody wants you, God. Everybody's looking for you, Jesus. This is what he said. Jesus replied, verse 38, we must go on. What? I'm sorry, but we got to go. But Jesus, everybody's, everybody's needing you. The people are needing you. You're Jesus. He says, we got to go. We got to go into other towns as well. I got to preach to them too. See, that's why I came. Why did you, how did Jesus know to say that? Because Jesus knew what he was called to do. Jesus knew that he needed to be productive and not busy. And know this, Jesus had already been to that town. He'd already healed some people. He helped some people. He touched some people. So you know what I bet Jesus is thinking? You know what? The people I touched, the people I healed, the people I helped, now I want them to go and help. I want them to go and heal. I want them to go and make a difference. See, I've been there. I've done that. I've touched them. I've changed them. Now I need to go, and they're going to do my work. This is the key to the church. Jesus didn't need to go there anymore because Jesus had done what he needed to do, and now he was calling his church, his people, to be the church. It's so I mean, this hit me so hard as I prepared for this message for you. I just hope it's hitting you too. Jesus knew what he was called to do. Je I bet he's thinking, you know what? I've touched you. You're going to touch others now. I'm moving on. There's more ground to cover. I wrote it down. You see, when Jesus has touched you, I'll say it this way. When you've been touched by the hand of God, when you have been touched by the hand of God, it will change you. And then God will use you to change others. When you've been touched by the hand of God, it will change you and God will use you to change others. That's what he wants to do. That's why, that's why Jesus had to keep going. I've been there. I've helped them. Now they're going to do the work. I need to keep going. We, well, here's what we're tempted to do. And I'm, I'm guilty, maybe just like you are. But I need to, especially in a time like this where we're at with what's going on in our world. Oh my gosh, everything's so, there's, I got to do this and I got to be there and I got to help them and I got to do that. No, you don't. Help the people in your path. Help the people that are in your path. What if, Everybody would do that. Wouldn't it impact everybody? I think it would. This is so key that we catch this. If everything is important, well, that's important, and that's important. I got to give to that, and I got to go there, and I got to help them. If everything is important, nothing's important. 
Nothing's important then because everything is. Everything wasn't important to Jesus. Jesus knew he didn't need to do it all. He didn't, but yet how many, the impact that he made, it blows me away. Know your capacity, know what you're called to do. And if you hear nothing else in this message, I need you to hear, I need you to lean in and hear what I'm about to tell you because this is so key to what's going on right now in our world. Because you're going to be tempted to, to, to either isolate and act in fear, which is not the right thing to do, is to, like, walk. we don't walk by fear, we walk by faith. That's who you are if you're in Christ. We walk by faith. It doesn't mean that we're, we're negligent. It doesn't mean we're irresponsible. But it does mean that there is a certain posture in us. It's called the living son of God, and it changes us. So that's how we walk. So that's what we do. But, but what is God calling us to do? We can't do it all. But here's the key. You ready for it? Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Okay? You can't do it for everyone. You can't help everyone. You can't feed everyone. You can't clothe everyone. You can't walk with everyone. You can't. But if you did for one, and sometimes it's so overwhelming. It's like when we're picking out kids for Compassion International and Jody finally had to leave my wife. She's like, oh, I want to I adopt them all. And because she had, a, she had a heart for them all. But we couldn't do them all. We just had to pick one because we're going to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. And if you would do that and I would do that and you 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 would, if we did that, it would impact everyone. You see that, right? This is what Jesus did. One more thing I want to show you. Do you remember at the, how can I say this? The very first verse that we started with was 29. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. They just left the church, if you will. They just went to their house, remember? Here's what's so key about that. I love the fact that the disciples took Jesus with them. See, I wonder how many times that we, I'll just say me, me. I wonder how many times me as the church I can get all about the Father's business in the church and in the building, which, by the way, isn't the church. It's a building. It's a property. It, the church is you and me here. This is the church. But how many times do we leave a church or leave, in this case, the synagogue, and we leave Jesus there? Oh, done with that. Now it's time to go do this and do that. And the chaos begins and the busy begins. And here we go with a rat race called life, spinning our wheels. I love that the disciples took Jesus with them. And look what he did radically changed lives on the way, radically changed jobs at, or lives at Andrew and Simon's house. He, because why? They took him with him. This is our opportunity, church. During this time right now, we get the opportunity to take the church with us wherever we go. And I'm going to do for one what I wish I could do for everyone because I love everyone. I want to help everyone, but I can't. I can't do that. That will overwhelm me. It will incapacitate me. But if we do it together, we'll change the world. We will change the world. This is... They, they, how many times have we left Jesus in the building? I want Jesus to leave with you. I want him to leave with me. I got a text this week. It's always humbling, and they always catch me off guard. So someone from our church texted me. This is what she said. And it wasn't just for me. It was uh, leaders in the church, so it wasn't just directed at me. Thank you for your leadership and teachings. Because of that, I become comfortable praying. Wow. Sounds like point number one. Praying with others and helping them through life struggles. Tonight, I felt such a calm. Okay, that's the exact opposite of what most people are feeling right now, but she felt a calm. 
How? I felt a calm having the right words for a desperate mom in a desperate situation and then being able to help lead a prayer with her. This is something I've never done before. How? This is the church being the church. This is doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone. This is somebody stepping into the power of Jesus Christ, not even thinking they could ever do this for somebody. She didn't need Jesus with her because why? Jesus was in her. Jesus, you can move on and do that now because you've got this woman here and she is loving and she is praying and she is helping. I got that and I was just overwhelmed. I'm like, yes. See, God didn't create us. He didn't create you and me to be busy. He didn't create us to be busy. He created us to live our purpose, to to love him and to love others. This is the key. But busyness, I told you earlier in this message, and I'll close it out by telling you this. Busyness is tied to fear. It is. If you break it down, it is. Think about why we're so busy. Afraid. I'm afraid if I don't run nonstop. I'm afraid that if I don't try everything the world has to offer, I'm going to miss out on something. I'm going I'm I'm to not get something that everybody else is getting. I'm afraid. We're just afraid. We're going to miss out on the, we're going to miss out on that one thing, the very thing that we think is going to fill a void that we feel so deeply. But I came here to tell somebody only one thing will fill that void. Only one thing will fill that hole that is in you. His name is Jesus. He is the sinless, spotless son of God. And he will meet every need that you have if you let him. My question is, will you? My question is, will you let him? Because if you let him in, if you let him in, he will change you. And he will use you to change a world. Listen to me, a world that desperately needs you in it. Do you know what people are searching for frantically right now as I preach? Hope and leadership. Leadership, guide me, lead me. I'm lost, I'm running, I'm scattered, I'm scared. And Jesus is looking at his church and he's saying, will you, will you guide them? Will you comfort them? Will you settle them down? Will you remind them who I am and that I'm in charge? This is, this is what I need you to know. This is what I want you to know so much. Jesus Christ, he's the one that you so desperately needed all along. But here's my fear, and this was me. Lean into this. Actually, to, to unpack, I gotta give you one more verse. Mark 1:34. I've already read it. It was part of the reading. But because the demons knew who he was, remember? Because the demons knew who he was, Jesus didn't allow them to speak. You might be thinking, okay. What I just read to you, is that the demons know Jesus. Because the demons knew who he was, I've known Jesus all my life. I've never not believed. I've never not believed in the resurrection, in the crucifixion, in, 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 in his walk, in what he said, and what he's done. I've never doubted it, ever. Can I tell you something else? Most of my life, I wasn't following Jesus. And what I'm saying to you, that this is why there's such hope in this message, is because maybe today God is going to show you that even though you know Jesus and you believe in Jesus, the question really is, are you following him? Because I'll guarantee you this, the demons who Jesus just said knew him, uh, the demons weren't following Jesus, okay? That, is, that I can guarantee you. They had another master that they followed who was the opposite of who Jesus was. And this is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is so important. And I'll never forget the day it hit me. And I pray to God it hits you like it hit me that day. Know this. The reason that you and I have hope 
in a coronavirus outbreak, in a pandemic that is like fracturing the world and paralyzing a nation. The reason that you and I can have hope is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is why that one event changed everything. And maybe you doubt pieces and parts of the Bible and maybe you doubt some theological stances. Okay, fine. Fine, I'm not even talking about that right now. What I'm talking about is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down, God sent him down, perfect, sinless, spotless, died for you and I to take away our sins, okay? There's a lot of people that believe in what I just said. They They just haven't surrendered to it, and they also maybe question the fact that he's risen. The resurrection is the key. See, Jesus Christ rose from the dead after three days. This is the good news, that Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And the Bible says that anyone, say anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone, not just knowing of him, not just believing of him, but you literally call on his name and you say, I'm, not, I'm going from believing to following. I want what they have and they have and they have. I want Jesus Christ not just around me. I want him in me. And this is what God wants to do today. I believe with all my heart, I've never been so excited about a message and and, and the majority of it is online right now to you. And I'm here to tell you something. If you started this message thinking, I know Jesus, I believe in Jesus. My question to you is, are you following? And how I think you can help, I can help you answer that question is this. How have you responded in the past week? How have you responded? I'm asking because and I'm not trying to judge you or anything. Trust me, I've, I'm the last guy that can do that if you know anything about me. But I'm asking, if you've responded to this coronavirus uh, pandemic, which by the way, I'm not making light of. I believe that we need to proceed with caution. I said that, I'll continually say that. I'm not, that, I believe that. But if you find yourself panicking, if you find yourself being chaotic and, and having such fear about the unknown, see, I don't have that. I would before, I don't anymore. I don't, and you don't need to either. But if you're responding that way, listen to me, that is a good indicator that the spirit of the living God is not living in you. If, because if he is, just, just listen to me, please. If he is living in you, he will give you a peace. I'm not saying you won't ever freak out. I'm not saying you won't ever get scared, but I am telling you, you won't get to a point of panic. You won't get to a point of like holding up and just being scared and freaked out and going to the store and buying you know, stacks and cans and pallets and all this stuff. You won't do that because you will know that there's something bigger. There's something greater. There's something called Jesus that if, if the very worst thing were to happen in this world, if the very worst thing happened and it wiped out everything, I'm home with my king forever. It's, it, it will change you. And if you don't have that peace, I'm here to tell you it's a good indicator that you're not following the king, but there's hope because this is your opportunity. This is what I'm asking. If you're watching online and this message is speaking to you in any way, I'm praying right now that you will, you will put a comment in there. Maybe you want to surrender. Maybe you want to say, okay, I, I know Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I'm following. I, I, I'm calling on his name. I want him in me. I don't know if I have it. I don't know. You can know today. Do it today. I'm gonna to pray with you in just a moment, but if that's you and you're making that decision or you, you have questions, put the hand raise emo- emoji in the comments and say, I'm in. Hand raise, hand raise, oh, I can't even say it, I'm so excited. Hand raise emoji in the comments, I'm in. We will love you, we will pray with you, we will celebrate you, we will contact you. This is the, this, this is the day, this is your day. 
God is not a, a God of fear and chaos, but he's got a peace and love and grace. And he wants to do something in you today. So I'm going to pray for you. I love you so much. I love you. God loves you so much more. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. So what if, what if instead of running around frantically, so busy, so stressed, so worried about what we're going to miss out, God, what if we were to walk by faith, pray to you in the morning or in the evening or whenever throughout the day, pray, and then, and then as your spirit moves us, we will help those that are in our path. We will love them. But God, none of that really is even, it's not even possible if we don't have you in us. God, I pray for the people right now that maybe they know you like the demons knew you, but they're not following and they know it by the way that they're acting in a way that maybe is out of control or scared or just not scared, but even panicking, God. We wanna wrap around them. We wanna love them. And I know you do too, Father. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that you sent him to die on a cross. He rose from the dead. And anyone, anyone, I love that word. Anyone means anyone. Hmm anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, I pray for the people listening. I pray for their families. I pray for their friends. I pray that they will go from maybe just believing or just knowing to truly following and surrendering surrendering, and let you be the Lord of their life. And they'll never have to have that fear or that chaos or that panic again, because you are a king of peace, love, and grace. I want that. And I believe there's many others that want it too, Father. We love you. We thank you. And we believe, God, that in you, the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody says, amen. God bless you.